Hi everyone, I am hanging out today with uh, some of my friends out on the backwoods of our property here at Whitewater. And I have asked some of our Whitewater youth team to join me today. And uh, I'm so proud of this team, the, how they are pouring into the next generation, their heart to serve our students. And so I just wanna ask you right now in the comments, or in the chat, will you just drop in some love? We've got Caitlin and Reed and Lexia and just show them some love right now. And you know what, show them some love. They love some Chipotle. So send in your Chipotle gift cards and overwhelm our student and kids ministries with some love and support. I've also got some students here today and I'm excited uh, from our Whitewater youth that they're here because they bring some excellent energy to the party but I'm also excited that my son Noah is here. And uh, it's exciting and terrifying to have Noah next to me right now because uh, Noah, like his dad, has no filter. Um, and so like, if I'm doing a great job, he's gonna, he, you're gonna hear about it, all right? Because he just lets things out. But if I'm stinking up the place, he's also gonna let you know about it. And so that's terrifying for me. Um, and so we'll see how this goes. Um, we are continuing in our good news tour. And over the last several weeks uh, here at Whitewater, we've been looking at the life of Jesus. And as Jesus, as we read in the Bible, has he's been taking his life, his ministry, up and down the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. And we've been looking at, however, wherever he went, he brought hope with him. He brought good news wherever he went. And as his followers, as people who say, Jesus is my leader, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take good news wherever we go. And so in the midst of all that is going on in our world right now, I feel like all of us could use some good news. And our hope during this entire series is that we can share a little good news every one of you watching and listening, wherever and whenever you may be watching this. We could all use some good news, right? Yes, audience participation day. Yes, so speaking of good news, I think our team has a little good news that we wanna share with our students right now, so go ahead. This is just a little thank you for coming outside in the heat, in the woods, with the bugs. Thank you, feel free to eat those now the fish, uh, and a little Grater's ice cream gift card for you guys uh, that you'll need it later because of how hot it is. Uh, but just our way to say thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Our next stop on the Good News Tour is actually going to take us to the heart of Jerusalem, to the front porch of the temple. And today we're going to talk about how we can find good news in our future. For those of you that want to follow along in your Bible app or on in your Bible, I'm going to be in Acts 3, verse 1, if you want to follow along. The book of Acts is written by a doctor whose name is Luke, who also wrote another book in the Bible, the Gospel of Luke. That's right. Not a trick question. Yes, some of our adults got that right. Acts is written quite literally as the first acts, the actions of the early church. It documents the formation of the church and, and how the gospel began to spread throughout the world. And in chapter 3, we're picking up things where we're actually just weeks back in antiquity. When we read this story just weeks ago, Jesus has just been crucified. He's just resurrected. 
All right, so that's kind of what's happening in our storyline right now. This is Acts 3, verse 1. It says this, Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, they went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, right? Verse 6, Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and they were strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God when they realized it was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate. They were absolutely astounded. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how it inspires us today. I ask that today during this time for all the students here and for everyone listening online, that you will use your word to penetrate our hearts, to inspire our minds, and to plant seeds of hope, of life transformation, that we will find incredible hope in our future because of your word and what you're going to do today. Amen. 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 As we look at this story of when Peter and John meet our friend the beggar, which, let's stop right there. He doesn't get a name in our story, right? The Bible doesn't tell us his name, a beggar. So I need a name for our beggar that from the, for the rest of our time together, he's going to be called this name. So throw out a name. Don't be shy. Any name. Hank. Hank is going to be our beggar. Thank you, Hank. All right, so when we meet Hank, our beggar, we find out that he's unable to walk, and he hasn't been able to walk since he was born. Now, later in the book of Acts, we find out that Hank is at least 40 years old. And so for 40 years, this has been his reality, not being able to walk. And now when we meet Hank, we find out that every day he would beg for alms, with money. He would beg for money because he was crippled and he wasn't able to walk or get a job. He couldn't walk, but he could beg. And so he learned how to beg and to do it well. He learned to survive off of the scraps from others. When we meet Peter and John in our story, two of Jesus' closest friends, closest disciples, they're now on fire for the mission of the church. Just weeks ago in their lives, they witnessed Jesus' crucifixion, his resurrection, and they saw him alive again. Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to live within them, within the disciples, and now Jesus' followers are now the ones leading the Good News Tour. Peter is on fire, right? He just preached an epic sermon where over 3,000 people made a decision to follow Jesus and they went all in with their faith and they were baptized. Side note, if any of you here or anyone watching online, that you've never made the personal decision to be baptized, what are you waiting for? 
What are you waiting for? We, we are going to have an outdoor service, an all-in service on August 9th. And if you haven't made this personal decision, I want you to start wrestling with that question, should I be baptized? Considering, should I go all-in with my faith? One of my proudest moments as a father was last year when Noah asked me if he could get baptized. We were on vacation, and so right there in the Gulf of Mexico with family and friends watching, I got to baptize my son. And I will remember that day for the rest of my life, buddy. If you've never made that decision, what are you waiting for? (laughs) If you have questions about baptism, talk to your parents, to grandparents, or one of the leaders here at the church. Talk to one of us. If you have questions, that's awesome. We want to chat with you about it. But August 9th, our outdoor service, be here for our all-in service. Now, back in our text, it says this, Peter and John and Hank, our text tells us that Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray because that's what they always did three times a day, 9 a.m., 3 p.m., and at sunset. Three times a day, they went to church. Can you imagine? We can hardly get people to church once a week. Right? People have a hard time checking out our online service once a week. Can you imagine three times a day? But that's what they did. In our text, it says that Hank was on his way to his spot in front of the beautiful gate because that's what he always did. This spot was the primary entrance to the temple. Now, Hank is no fool. All right? He may not be able to walk, but he still wants to eat. And so he knew that religious people were more likely to throw him some money, some change, on their way to church. Because a lot of religious people at the time, they were pious. They, they did things for show, for, for the praise they would receive. And it was better to get people on the way into church before they gave their offering. And so Hank sets up shop right at the door, the front entrance of the temple. And so you got Peter and John doing what they normally do. You've got Hank doing what he normally does. And it's right in the middle of their normal, in the middle of the mundane, that this man gets a miracle. And some of you are in the middle of normal, the mundane, just going through life right now, trying to to make the best of things right now. Some of you are in the midst of of normal. You're you're just trying to make ends meet. You're just trying to provide. You're just trying to to make sense of of what your new normal is. Trying to make it to tier 100 before the next season of Fortnite drops. Don't miss what God is trying to do through you and in you in the middle. Because God does some of his best work in the middle. The man's miracle that set up his future, a future that he didn't even think was possible, happened right in the middle of what he always would do. The miracle of our future is so often found in the middle, and that's good news. We're all in the middle of something, right? All of us right now, we're in the middle of drinking water. We're in the middle of eating sweetest fish. We're in the middle of the now and the not yet, in the middle of COVID, in the midst of a pandemic that seems like it's never going to end. 
We're in the middle of trying to figure out like, like how to still go on vacation to some place that isn't a COVID hot zone. Some of you are in the middle of changing jobs. You're in the middle of moving. You're in the middle of going to the kitchen right now for a cinnamon roll. You're in the mid- middle of, of voting, right? Of, of which plan is the best plan to go back to school and which one should we do? Should we do it part-time, half-time, online, virtual, in the classroom? You're in the middle of it. Some of you are in middle management. Some of you are in middle school. We're all in the middle of something, dad jokes. Listen, don't miss the miracle that happens in the middle. Now let's get really personal for for our circle right now. There is something extraordinary that happens during the middle school years. Right in the middle, right, there's this tension between elementary school and high school. It's this magical place called middle school. It's this awkward and smelly place. I mean, it's this magical land full of mystery and a little madness. (laughs) There's this massive change that every single one of us, every single one of us listening in this circle online, every single one of us goes through this change during these years. Boys, they they enter this magical land of middle school, you know, as Bobby, and they come out on the other side as Robert. Something happens, right? Girls enter into the mystery of middle school thinking that boys are gross and freaks, and they come out on the other side like, oh, he is fine. Something happens in the midst of this magical time. All of you are in the midst of this right now. And I'm praying for y'all so hard right now and for your family. (laughs) Everyone goes through this middle phase. But there are genuine miracles that happen in the middle. More than just changes of body odor and a deep voice and sudden infatuation with boys. There's this middle school years that, that, that our minds are developing at this incredible rate. And not to freak you guys out, but there are also these incredible changes that are happening right now where God is literally growing you and shaping you. And he's preparing you for this next season of life as young adults. And that's one of the reasons why it's one of the hardest seasons of life. Because of all this change is happening. And that's why I just want to encourage you, like, like lean into the support that's around you. Your parents, grandparents, the leaders at the church. You need a support system around you to navigate this weird world. But listen, you're not alone in this. You're not alone in this. In this middle school season, there's also excitement. There's something new happening. There's potential. There's there's these incredible opportunities. These middle school years, they also fall into a time in life when most people actually make the decision to follow Jesus. Research shows that 63% of everyone who makes a decision in America to follow Jesus, it happens between the ages of 4 and 14. 
middle school, these years. Like this is our greatest and largest mission field. The church has a profound responsibility to speak life and love and hope to these students during these years, to create a safe space to hear this radical and dangerous message of hope and love and community and belonging that will set them up for the future that God has in store for them. There is a miracle waiting to happen for all of you in this middle. Now adults, you thought you could just check out. You thought you were off the hook, right? Put down your phone because there's also something curious that happens in the middle years of your life. Another great change occurs during midlife. Some of you call it a crisis. I choose to call it an opportunity. Many of you listening right now find yourselves in that 40 to 50 years old, like transitioning from striving for success to looking for significance. And this is an awesome time to dream again, to explore, to redefine, to, to look inward, to go on a personal journey of self-discovery. But for so many of us stuck in these middle years, we're stuck. We're stuck in comfort. We're stuck in complacency. We're stuck in cycles of unhealth. Oddly enough, our friend Hank, that we read about in our text, he also falls into this age range. And the fascinating thing here is that he is also stuck too. He's stuck on his mat. And when Peter and John enter into his life, he, he asks for some money, right? Because that's the cycle that he's stuck in. And I love how Peter responds. The guy asks for some money and Peter's all like, I don't got any money, but what I do have, I'll give you. And Hank's got to be thinking like, oh, great. It's another one of those Christians, right? Another one of them. Like, they're not going to give me any money. They're going to give me a tract, right? They're going to tell me that, you know, Jesus loves you, right? But they're not going to leave me any money. Hey, listen, if you're one of those Christians, don't ever... Leave your server at a restaurant a tract instead of a tip. Some of you guys, like, you'll, you'll leave, like, that fake $100 bill that has scripture on it and be like, oh, I don't have a tip, but here's a tip. Jesus loves you. Like, man, don't do that. Ever. Listen, we're called as Jesus followers to be radically generous. We are blessed to be a blessing. If you can't afford a tip, don't go out to eat. That simple. A lot of my friends are servers. I grew up being a server. My wife grew up being a server. And listen, servers hate the typical Sunday crowd. You know why? They don't tip. They, don't tip. they have a reputation, the after church crowd, of being rude, demanding, and crappy tippers. What a horrible witness, right? Listen, this is just my opinion, and you can send your emails to me. I am convinced that the path to hell is paved with people who aren't generous tippers. Um. Got me all fired up, right? I'm just saying it. <laughs> now back to our friend Hank. He, he's looking for some money. He's looking for, for some coin. And Peter's like, I don't got any of that, but I'll give you what I got. And what this man doesn't know is that right in the middle of just another day for him, he's about to get a miracle. 
Because what he doesn't know is that Peter has the power of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 3, verse 17, the Apostle Paul, he writes this. He says, I pray that you, that's, that's the church, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able, God, to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Peter is able to give Hank something so much greater than money. He's tapping into a power that is available to all of us. And, and he, he, Peter is like, is reaching down and showing this man what he could do, what he could be, what he never imagined he could do because he had become content and comfortable in the middle of his dysfunction. Peter is inviting him into a future that he never even knew was possible. What if God actually wants you to have a future to do more than you could ever dream or imagine? What if that's real? Like, like what if that's actually God's plan for your life. Like God's ability to do immeasurably, immeasurably more through you isn't limited by your current situation or limited by your current dysfunction that you're in the middle of. You limit yourself from stepping into the future that God has for you when you believe that your dysfunction is bigger than your God. The altitude of your future is only limited by your attitude of your God. How do you view God? Do you believe that God is who he says he is? Is he really the creator of all of this? The creator of the universe? Is he really alpha and omega, beginning and the end? Is he sovereign? Is he a healer? Does he really redeem? Is he a provider? Does he really deliver and redeem and rescue and restore? Is he a good father? Is he Lord of Lord and King of Kings? Or is he just a fairy tale? The big guy upstairs. A magic genie in the clouds and we get three wishes. Or, or, or a giant vending machine in the sky. If I do this and put this up there, then he'll drop down this. Do I believe that God is able to do infinitely more through me than I could ever imagine or dream? Or don't I? Because if I just believe that God is just some abstract idea that, that he's way out here, you know, disconnected to me, not all that interested in my life, then I'm never going to turn to him for my purpose or my comfort. Instead, I'll continue to find my comfort in my comfortable dysfunctions. I'll put God over here, you know, or I'll put him on a cute little cross, right, that I'll wear around my neck, and then I'll get a cute little statue of Shepherd Jesus, and I'll put him on, on my mantle, 
And, and since I've got my cute little cross Jesus and I got my little lamb Jesus, I, I can just put God into this nice, neat little box and, and, and I can tuck him away in a closet if I ever feel like the things of God or the word of God or the people of God are challenging the way that I'm currently living. Do you believe God is who he says he is? That he's able to do what he says he can do? Do you believe beyond what your eyes can see? Do you believe that there is something greater that he has in store for you? Because that's what faith is. Faith, Hebrews 11 says this, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I may not be able to see it, but that doesn't mean I don't believe it. Do I believe that this is as good as it gets? Like, really, everything we're going through, that's as good as it gets? Do I believe that my God can do more through me than I could dream or imagine? Which one? God is reaching down to all of us. He's reaching down to you right in the middle of what you're going through. And he's offering you not only a way out, but a way through into your future. And thank God for that because so often, right in the middle of it, we typically need him the most. And some of you are in the middle of it right now. Listen, it typically hits the fan in the middle, in middle school, in midlife. But God is in the middle. And what we choose to do in the middle will determine our path forward into the future. But for us to grasp what God is offering us in the middle, We've got to let go of our comforts. We've got to let go of our past. We've got to let go of the way we, we thought it was going to be. We've got to let go. Some of us, we're holding on to things that we think are actually going to help us. Actually think that, that, that they're actually going to take us to a future that are actually keeping us trapped in our middle. Like, think about this. What if you never made it out of middle school? <laughs> What if you never made it through your midlife crisis? It's ridiculous, right? But how many of us are actually holding on to things that, that, that aren't actually healthy? Holding on to things that, that we think are going to help us, but they're not really like thoughts and ideas that we're supposed to be doing. Thoughts that we have like we should have been doing this by now. Things that we think we should have, but we don't. We're holding on to ideas and thoughts and stuff in our middle that won't ever take us to our future. Listen, we have to, we can't grasp the future that God has for us when our hands are still full of garbage. Think about this back, back in our text, right? The man who's begging, Hank, you know, he's got his cup that he begs with. He has to drop the cup the thing that brings him comfort and provision to actually grasp the hand of Peter to step into his future. What is your cup? What are you holding on to? Whatever it is, it's time to let go. When I was in the rooms of recovery 
I would see this poster on the wall that would say, let go and let God. And I'd see that and I'd laugh and I'd say, that's cute. <laughs> Sounds nice. And then I'd hear that same phrase, let go and let God, from people, you know, like leading the meetings and, and people giving talks. And then I'd hear that same phrase, let go and let God, you know, from people that actually looked like their life was getting better, people that looked like they actually had joy, people that looked like they actually had peace. And I thought, I wish I could actually let go. But you don't know the pain that I'm going through. You don't know the type of pain that I'm dealing with. You don't know the anxiety that I battle every day. You don't know the stuff that I'm carrying around from my past. You don't know the mountain of debt that I've made. You don't know the depths of despair that I've now found comfort in. You don't know the amount of mistakes I've made. Maybe you guys have never made a mistake. I have. You don't know the amount of people that I've hurt. And then one mentor of mine, he said this one day, he said, you're right, John, I will never know what you've gone through. I will never know what you're dealing with. I'll never know intimately the weight that you carry and the things you've endured, but God does. See, I was holding on to all of this garbage, but the reality was, is that I, I wasn't holding that garbage. The garbage was holding me. The garbage was holding me down on my mat, keeping me from stepping into my future. And like the lame beggar, like Hank, sitting on his mat, begging, I created an environment that allowed me to become comfortable in my dysfunction. I created an environment that enabled me to stop looking to the future, one that was built on the lies of my limitations. See, so many of us are stuck in our middle right now because we've bought into the lies of limitation. And some of you have been listening to these lies for your whole life. Lies that say you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not old enough. You're not smart enough. You don't come from the right family. You don't come from the right side of town. You'll never amount to anything. This is just as good as it gets. Stay on your mat. Keep begging. And if we're really honest with each other, with ourselves, it's not hard for us to see that area in our lives where we're sitting right next to that beggar on the mat watching the world go by, secretly hoping for someone to see us, to reach out a hand. Listen, I, for me, I finally got sick of the lies. When I finally got sick and tired of being sick and tired, I finally let go of all of the garbage. I let God pull me up into a new future. Peter did this for our friend, Hank, the beggar. He reached out his hand and said, get up, walk. I've got a new future in store for you. And he's doing this for all of us, for all of you. God is reaching his hand out to you and saying, get up, walk. 
It's time to get up from despair and walk into hope. It's time to get up from addiction and walk into freedom. It's time to get up from loneliness and walk into community, to get up from pain of your past and walk into a future that is full that God has prepared for you. A future that is full of hope, filled with adventure, filled with purpose, filled with opportunity and promise and joy and peace. Will you take his hand? Will you step into the future that God has for you? I know, like you're in the middle of it. I know, I know when you're actually in the middle of all of that, it can be so hard to let go. But trust me, God understands the tension and the pain of the middle. He understands what that tension is like. He's got one hand holding on to the past and the other stretched out to the future. He understands pain. He understands the stretch of the middle. He understands what it's like to be stretched out in the middle of that cross. All for our future. He understands intimately what the pain of the middle is like. And that's good news for us because he's inviting us into a future that he knows we need desperately. God is reaching out his hand to all of you today, to all of you today. Right now, he's reaching it out to you in the middle of whatever you're doing, in the middle of wherever you are right now, and he's inviting you into a future that is bigger and brighter and fuller and richer than you could ever imagine. Will you let go and take his hand? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you offer us a future. I thank you for your son that's, that went to the cross, that was stretched out on that cross to take the pain right in the middle of that cross for all of our sins, for, for all of our future, that you have, have set up an opportunity for us, a future for us, and that you reach down your hand to every single one of us. Jesus, I am asking that right now for, for anyone who is hearing this that has not taken your hand and, 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 and called you Lord, has called you Savior, that right now that they, they will drop to their knees and say, Jesus, I'm turning from my old life. I'm reaching out to you. I'm turning to you for a future. I'm asking for forgiveness of my sins, the stuff that I've done in the past that I'm not proud of, and I'm looking to you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, speak boldly to their hearts right now. Jesus, help all of us take another step with you to take your hand as you guide us into our future, that future that you have planned for all of us. Jesus, we love you and we need you. It's in your name that all God's people say, Amen.